So I sent you this text message after Inbound when I was going home. I was like, what happened? I'm Margaret Kelsey. And I'm Devin Bramhill. And this is Don't Say Content. And shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. They're great at creating shows with strategic outcomes in mind. They've been with us since the podcast was just an idea. And they helped us bring it to life from strategy all the way to execution. And we absolutely love partnering with them. So if you, dear listeners, are thinking of launching a podcast, which you definitely should, by the way, we recommend having a conversation with our favorite people over at Share Your Genius. Now let's get into it. I always said this. I'm like my cold, dead marketing heart. (laughs) Tell me you've been a marketer for too long (laughs) without telling me you've been a marketer for too long. Exactly. You refer to your cold, dead marketing heart. I've been in this bubble a little bit since leaving Animals where... I've had great clients, you know, the community of marketers and startups have really supported me. You know, my agency network has been really awesome. The state of marketing 2023. Mind you, for no eating on the podcast, Evan. Oh, sorry, I forgot. It's not the old days anymore. It's not the old days. People were specifically actually during our like pre-prep launch stuff, all of those videos of you eating. I had gotten more people reaching out to me being horrified about the fact that there was like videos of you chomping. Like it was it was like one of those shticks that actually catches on and people were like talking about the shtick. Do you know what I mean? But you said they were all upset about it. Most people were like, I hope she's not going to actually be eating on the podcast. (laughs) That misophonia thing that there are some people were like the sound of chewing is like actually atrocious to them. Yeah, I like it like induces rage. Maybe we should have told them that those were meetings we recorded, not the show. I like to ruffle some I'm like, because you can suck it on those. Here, fine. She's not going to snack. She's got Um, a nice microphone. She's not snacking. I just called her out on it. Yeah. I forgot that we'd already officially started. (laughs) Um, That was just an actual rant. (laughs) You know, I will say, though, and I told you this while we were there, that was my real takeaway was that my personal network of people I've actually invested in and not become fake friends with, but actually helped out, talked to, et cetera, they're there for me. And they have helped us so much, more so than the big brands have. Looking back at Inbound, I'm like, oh, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do, but my network did like 10x what I did. It's timely because that's what Ashley and I talked about because it's what we believe is that community building is that self-sustaining, self-perpetuating tool in your, like for brands, it's in your marketing mix, right? Mm -hmm. And I experienced it firsthand last week. Okay. So I got a general admission ticket and you were VIP. So you got to go places I didn't get to go. Okay. I got to go one place that you didn't get to go. The VIP lounge, which was, it was good. It was fine. I didn't use a lot of the amenities. I didn't do the wine tasting. They had hair and makeup there that I didn't end up doing. I mostly did it to make sure that I could find a seat for some calls. And even that, it was like kind of crowded some of the times where I ended up not really using it. You were able to go out to the food trucks and get a free lunch, which I did appreciate. I don't know if I would do it again. I think I could just pay for my lunch, you know, Yeah. and go to Starbucks and get a decent coffee. So, wow, you got food and hair and makeup. It's funny that like people who weren't speakers got hair and makeup. I know. I should have swapped tags with you and let you go in. But you looked fly all the days, but specifically the day of your talk. And I stage-mommed you so hard. 
You did. I saw them after. I was like, oh my God. I got the, different the angles. Room was full. I, I was nervous because it's like a thousand people or something capacity. Man, that room was full. We were there for an extra hour after. And there was a woman sitting in the front row who I noticed up on stage. And she looked like a celebrity. Like she was just very stylish in this French sort of way and so poised. And when and it we was me. were I'm just kidding. It's but like we know this. We know this. So a new stylish poised <laughs> woman in the front row. And Ashley and I are talking to the folks after, answering questions. And I see her and she stays in the front row and she's in the corner of my eye. And it's a while. It's like at least a half hour or whatever. And then she comes up to us and she's like, hey, it's Gwen. Gwen from Cinch, who we just talked about yeah. on the marketing terms one. You know, when you make that connection, because her, like she, we, she interacts with Ashley and I a lot. We love yeah. her. I love her. It was so, so cool. So we chatted with her for a while and that was really fun. When you see people in the audience that you talk with a lot, meaningfully, you know, yeah. like I was genuinely excited and happy to see her and that was really cool. So that's amazing. Going back to that, like, community bit. We saw that at the launch party. I felt bad early in my career to not have that, not realizing that it just takes a decade plus of having a career, especially for a lot of that time to be in the same town or city in order to actually build that up. Sure. And it goes in stages. You know, that's really how I launched my career in Boston. I put a lot of effort into it in a short period of time. First, it was attending. Mm -hmm many events, including Boston content, which then resulted in being invited to join the board where I met a bunch of people and they're now my friends for life, then resulted in me taking over. I'm now meeting more and more people that way. And then through my own event, right? And so you can, and you saw that with the events you did with app cues, like you can do a shot in the arm pretty quickly, especially in a town like Boston, that's really small and kind of insular. New York, it's been incredibly difficult. Granted, I really was about to start in late 2019. That was a great place to incubate a community and then go elsewhere and grow it. And I think it's been easier to grow on top of it yeah. over time. But to your point about time, I mean, there were people at that event I invited who I've known since the beginning of my career. They've just followed me. Marco Tool, literally the first person to ever say yes to me. And he didn't even know what I was asking him. I was like, well, you do this thing called the Master Slam. Here's what it is. He's like, I don't get it, but it sounds awesome. Yes. Yeah. He has supported me throughout my entire career. I never even worked for him. I never even made him any money. Like I have done nothing materially to, to like change his professional life. And I've known him in a professional capacity. It's things like that. And just hearing, you know, Alan Tellio, I introduced him to my friend, Aristia, who was freelancer looking for work, he needed a freelancer. He's like, she's awesome. She's the best. My clients are happy, right? You and I got a ton of that. Yeah. Our partners even casted, I think Lindsay said that she met two potential, like real potential customers there. And it wasn't a big room. That's a thing. We probably had what, 50 people there? Yeah, I think so. I think it was around 50. For that much activity and such a small with a small group of people, and to see how much impact that we have had and they have had on us, 
And I think that's where the growth mind, like growth at all costs mindset or like grow, grow, grow. If you get the right people together, it's like the one connection. It's like, do you need to hire on even a team or do you just need one person that's going to change the course of your team and program? I feel like it's a theme throughout a lot of things in my life right now where it's like you don't need more. You just need right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so you and I barely saw each other. Barely interacted. <laughs> Even at the event, we decided we were a married couple. Yeah. We were a couple getting married at On the a event. wedding day, divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Have conversations and with the people came. So I, I sent you this text message after Inbound when I was going home. I was like, what happened and who did you talk to? So what themes did you notice? You know, the sort of behind closed doors view. The broader themes. I went to probably about four or five of the talks. I kind of floated around. I had an interesting conversation with a way early startup that's kind of finding product market fit at the moment. We like kind of keep coming back to this idea of how marketing is so broken, right? And even while they were attending, it's a MarTech solution, and they're attending this conference both to think about their own marketing, but also to think about their core target audience. And I was talking to the COO actually and did our common trope of like the words that we use, like those ter- that terms episode, right? And how just we've totally convoluted the whole thing to the point where it's so hard to understand what everyone, anyone's ever talking about or, or if we're even speaking the same language. And this like COO who's like not really in marketing except for the fact that she works for a marketing technology startup, like she was like about to hug me. She felt so seen and heard. It was like such a great moment. She's like, yes, it's all bullshit. And I'm like, I know all of these words are just so, so silly. I do think that there's still that proliferation, even at inbound of that idea of like, and now AI, you know, is like in there messing with it all. Nearbound? Yeah. Somebody said nearbound to me. I think it was Ashley. And I was like, wait, what? She wasn't using it seriously. Yeah. Because she's a serious marketer. Yeah. We're going to turn this into a bonus episode from the terms episode. Seriously. And I said, what's nearbound? Like, why? Why does this need to be a thing? Just like stop naming things. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. So we had some more marketing terms being perpetuated and hated by fellow people. That's great. What else on the business side? Like, because I did get a vibe of like, I'm fine. Everything's fine, you know, from different companies. So I talked to another company more more established that had a booth there that was talking about how they went through a a recent reduction in force. They had gotten rid of a bunch of eight like full-time agencies. I say full-time agencies, like big agency spend, including PR. And they were trying to figure out how to re-establish that budget with solopreneurs and like freelancers. And I think that that's both interesting because it is what I'm advising founders to do right now, especially if they don't know whether or not a program should be part of their core marketing stack or marketing mix. As I just listened to an episode where you said marketing mix like a whole bunch of times, um, especially if they're still undecided on whether or not that program should be in their marketing mix. I think it's a great way to resource it. And so it was interesting to see it's a more established company and they're doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. That's what I did with Cisco. Part of what I did, I helped them hire a bunch of people and then I brought in agencies for them, agency partners. And what I observed there is the other side of what I experienced at Animals, which is 
it's really helpful to have someone manage those external relationships with the point of contact there because they don't have the time typically to invest in making those relationships work. And so I've seen, like there was an agency that they were working with that they weren't sure about when I came in and were seriously questioning. I met them and we started working together. I was like, they're great actually. I think the talent pool is still limited in terms of actual quality people, but also there's so many of those quality people went to being freelancers or starting small agencies. Yeah. And I think that's most of my referrals are going there. I think Power Digital will be the one that I think is really good on the big side. Yeah. And because there's a little more client management built in there, but it really is I found myself with the clients I've worked for even helping them hire, I'm playing that middle ground because I usually have the relationship on both sides so I can set it up for success and then, right? And then they do the rest. So that's, and that seems similar to you, right? Like you're playing that role of, you know, helping them establish what to do to resource and then make sure those relationships are set up right. I hung out with Michael at Campfire Labs for a day. He and I have known each other virtually forever. And finally, we just got to hang out for a whole day. He gave me some really good advice for something that we're doing that completely unlocked. So Jasper did this beautiful dinner at Moo in this private dining room. I think there were, I don't know, 18 people there. I was there with Ashley, brought me with her. And so I talked to someone who works in drilling parts manufacturing and learned a lot about marketing for non-sexy industries and how We don't say sexy anymore. Oh, right. Sorry. Attractive. Is that what we decided on? Less um, for businesses that don't have a sheen. (laughs) Don't have the same sheen, okay? Uh, But how much money they have. And how much they still don't know about online marketing in general as a broad, broad strokes category. And so it sounded like there's, even though they don't understand, they know they need it and they have money actually, which is cool if you've been working with SaaS companies recently because they kind of don't. Although I have to say, I like... You and I were talking to someone about this, but I like austerity times a little bit because it's more oh, yeah. challenging. Yeah. And it gets my creative brain fired up. Yeah. It's like rub these two nickels together and see what you can come up with. I love that. Yeah. Because I think that's where you come up with the more interesting partnerships where you can find a way to share value in a rich way that act- isn't like one of those fake partnerships where nobody's really happy. It's like you can really kind of design and people are more open to it. Well, that reminds me. That's another conversation I had with DZ from Arrows. Um, I had talked to him a couple months ago. They were trying to, they were coming to Inbound thinking about what do they do at Inbound. And the thing I have been like telling everyone, so sorry, conference organizers, is like, you don't need the booth. Like, please, God, don't do the booth, especially if you're a small startup that doesn't have a bunch of cash to burn. You don't need to be a sponsor. You don't need to do the booth. Think about something else creative. He actually wasn't able to come to our launch party because they were having a competing event. They didn't even rent the space. But in that Westin, 
they did a takeover of the bar. They made sure that they had to get it approved by the Weston and by inbound, but they they didn't even have space rental. They just bought everyone who was in that space drinks for like two or three hours. And it was like 5K, I think, for the entire bill. And they literally were going up to people. There was like coasters all around being like, steal this beer. And they just bought everyone's drinks. And they knew that it was going to be a lot of their target audience because it's all marketers checking in for that conference on the first night in the hotel that's hosting everyone from the conference. And I was like, God, it's just, again, so good. Like, where is my audience? And how do I make sure that I'm in front of them? Right. And did it for just like almost no money, which I thought was really, really smart. And it's not just the money spent at the event itself. He saved them money by doing something that didn't take a lot of effort to plan, yeah. which yeah, makes yeah. him really efficient and smart, yeah. right? It's like if, if budget is a problem, this is not the time to do these big activations like they do at South by Southwest. It's, it's like going back to your whole thing about killing your darlings. Ruthless prioritization is like, how do I just get to the exact thing that yeah. I need to? And it's like, buy drinks. Yeah, buy drinks. That's kind of how I planned our launch party too. (laughs) We're like, are you feeling this too? We think you need a cocktail because we definitely do. (laughs) I was chatting with him and another woman on his team and they were talking about how they're considering every activation event, yada, yada, that they're doing as part of our, like their own value system, right? Like they were using their company values as prioritization of what they should do at events like that. And it fit perfectly into their values and strategy. And I was just like, it was one of those moments where I was just like chefs kissing all over the place because I was like, this is so perfect. Like, this is the way you should be thinking about it. Yeah, because one thing that a theme that isn't new, but that comes up every conference is, do we even need to be here? And... And on Thursday, I said no. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to see where the conference industry goes because it's been surprising to me how little it's changed post-COVID aside from more people trying to do more virtual stuff and nobody caring. So there was a, a great number of people that just go to conferences and just hang out in the lobby. They don't buy a ticket because if you're trying to make deals, yeah, you're not there to be educated. And so for a conference like Inbound where it's big, broad, small business focus – at least in the past, those talk are for practitioners. Basically, the conference serves as a place that brings a lot of people that you would have to travel to otherwise together. Yeah. And so don't need to go into the conference. The exhibiting is not useful for everyone. I will say I'm sure there are many use cases where brands find value in doing that. I can't make a broad swath comment on that. I will say Wistia's activation was really cool. As always, they do really awesome stuff. So what Wistia did was they set up this whole activation with these TVs and stuff. And he recorded talking too loud clips there. They're generating content at the same time they've made this interactive thing. So that I thought was cool. But ultimately, you know, the table thing for me has always been a question mark in terms of its value. Like I think conferences could be better in general in how they incorporate sponsors in a more meaningful way. But that's for another day. Yeah. That content thing, I did a similar thing when I was at AppQ's. We went to OpenView's conference and we sponsored it, but only to get access to the green room backstage because we recorded. I got a camera crew out in San Francisco 
Um, and we recorded Voice of the Product, which was like our video series. And we just grabbed speakers when they were coming off the stage, super high on adrenaline to sit in, to say yes, because they like would say yes to anything at that point because they're just adrenaline is pumping. They don't know like what's up from down. So we were just like, come sit here. And then we recorded uh, a bunch of episodes with speakers that we would have never been able based on our brand at that time to get access to or to get in the same place. Um, and so I feel like that's the thing, too, of like, if you can think about creative ways to just go one more step at the conference of like, what's one more thing I could do? I know it goes against my like ruthless prioritization thing, but it's really about like squeezing out every single benefit from the thing that you're already going to go do. So this is my first time speaking inbound, but I talked, I know a lot of inbound speakers from the past and, you know, I talked to a bunch of people about it and I felt like there was something lacking in the speaker community there Yeah, where, you know, they do this like one, one hour thing in like the main ex exhibit area and there's the speaker room, but there's no, like, fine, you've got the celebrities, right? And I did go see Reese Witherspoon. I did her, oh. I went to her final talk. It was incredible. Yeah, I bet it was. So there were a couple of things that I felt were missing. One was community among the speakers, even at the event. I thought there was going to be a little bit more of some glue between us. Like yeah. when I used to produce the TED Talks in Somerville, the speakers were like best friends by the end. Like we got together, you know, granted that is much smaller. So I, I'm not trying to compare one to one, but it felt like an opportunity for the conference model to evolve to be more modern. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, obviously, but I was like, oh, all the connections I made and friendships I formed came from my existing network being in the same place and introducing me. None of it came from the inbound experience. And that shocked me, actually. Yeah. I've spoken at smaller conferences where there's more connection. You've got like, I've gotten work from it even. And they were much, much smaller. So I feel like for the really big ones, there's a huge benefit to bringing a bunch of people together. But I think to make it more worthwhile long-term, it'd be interesting to explore how you can create smaller experiences among like sort of sub-communities there. Yeah, but it could be like everyone on the same kind of track. All the speakers on the same track are getting together or all the listeners on yeah. the same track yeah. before, during, and after. And I remember talking to Michael Barber about this. We were on the train going to meet Jay for breakfast. And I said, I understand from a business standpoint why there's no incentive to do that. Yeah, It's an investment that would take time to prove out. And I don't even know what the business value is because all I notice is a hole right now. I think it stood out to me because yeah. especially considering my experience with Inbound in the early days when they were really community driven, when they were doing smaller events where, you know, Darmesh, I remember we were in an Irish bar on the second floor and he gave a speech to a room of like, I don't know, no more than 30 people yeah. um, drinking beers, you know? Yeah. Well, I think too, it's probably glaring to you because your talk was about community as well. <laughs> so you're like literally rehearsing, talking about community while you're at the conference on Friday. So it was like the whole time you're thinking about community because <laughs> you're thinking about your wow. time. I've gotten a ton of value from a very small community. And so I'm like, the benefit is that it is speaking for a smaller community. And well, we could get into paying your speakers at some point. Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great. 30% of you are doing great.
The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on. You know, you know which side you're on this week. You know. <laughs> you know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I like that. And it's very meta if we actually include that in the episode. <laughs> <gasps> Please, God, no. <laughs> <laughs>